What is up, Level Up Nation, and welcome to the September 28th edition of OTN's Level Up Live, your home for the hottest takes in gaming news. My name is Fiasco, and I am joined, as always, by the king of the courtside, the, the, all uppercase, the courtside king, Joey. What's up, buddy? John, it has been a wild freaking week in gaming news. I mean, we're at that point, right? We had Starfield. We had Baldur's Gate. Everyone's super hyped about those games. And we're looking toward October. Alan Wake 2, Forza Motorsports, Spider-Man 2, Super Mario Bro Wonder. I mean, there's so many games coming out in October. And there were so many games in late August, early September. So we're like, okay, we'll coast a little bit here in late September. Uh, That has not been the case at all this week. Uh, It feels like news all over from every platform Every business division from software to hardware uh, to even deeper stories with tech security and all different things going on, it feels like. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is up there, I think, for us with Summer Game Fest E3 time as far as just amount of news coming out this week. So there is a lot to touch on on tonight's episode. Absolutely. And Nation, make sure you keep track of everything that's happening throughout the week before the show by following the show on Twitter slash X or whatever the heck we're calling it. Facebook and Instagram at OTN Media on threads and Instagram. That's OTN underscore media. And while you are on X slash Instagram slash threads slash yes, uh, at Quartzite King at Fiasco to follow your two favorite or least favorite hosts when it comes to gaming news and nation. As always, a live show on Twitch is the place to be. But we do have the show in podcast form roughly 24 hours after broadcast. Check out Level Up Podcast available on your podcatcher of choice. Choice, choice, choice. Extra credit. Use that spicy Twitch Prime sub on OTN's Twitch channel. And Joey will personally fly you to Barbados. Uh, <laughs> Asterix, uh, he will not. Um, but that's a great way to rack up miles, though, Joey, if you, if you want to like fly people around and just get more and more miles. Yeah, yeah we'll talk about it later. Uh, <laughs> but use that Twitch Prime sub on OTN today. Get rid of those pesky ads. You don't want to watch them. I don't want to watch them either. Uh, Joey, we touch a little bit on the topics uh, prior and during that intro, so we'll skip over the topic rundown go straight to the drink of choice, as today is going to be an action-packed, exciting, and somewhat new show. Uh, so what is your beverage of choice, sir? Yeah, I am drinking sparkling water tonight. Nothing too fancy. It is the black raspberry. Oh, that actually sounds good. Raz emphasis. Oh, it, it, does that come with some riz, Joey? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Oh, Joey, Just some raz. Joey has no riz. All right. Um, so, Joey, <laughs> I am. Uh, I was going to get wine, but I actually finished off the bottle of wine I had yesterday mm. uh, during our OTN meeting. Uh, so <laughs> I'm having water. Uh, yeah, it's, it's as simple as that. Yours has bubbles. Mine do not have bubbles. Uh, but what we do have is an amazing show uh, here for you, our listeners and viewers ahead. So, Joey, we have our beverages. We have our topics. It is time to transition to our first segment, which, of course, is presented by Gamer Bites, bite-sized gaming news delivered weekly directly to your inbox. Sign up today, otnmedia.org slash GB sign up. Joey, where are we heading to first? Absolutely, John. We're going to take our ride over to the Nintendo platform. A little bit lighter in news this week compared to its brethren of PlayStation, PC, and Xbox. But with that being said, there's still some stuff to touch on in the world of Mario and Pokemon, and it has to do with Pokemon itself. Over there, Ash Ketchum is catching it all in the Van Gogh Museum. Uh, This is a collab I did not see coming, and I doubt many people did. But Pokemon and the Vincent Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam have partnered up for some Pokemon-themed artworks. Uh, You can take part in an art hunt, 
as well as shop exclusive merchandise, which does include some limited edition Pokemon cards. This event is going to be running September 28th through January 7th. John, will you be making your way over to Amsterdam to catch them all? Uh, you know what? If I had the time off, I would. Um, totally, 100%. Uh, I'm a little upset that Pikachu has both ears, uh, as Van Gogh is notoriously, n- notoriously known for chopping off one of his ears. Uh, gentlemen, that's the true way to show love, is by giving your significant other your ear. Um, so, yeah, I'm a little upset that Pikachu still has both ears uh, on his portrait. But uh, nonetheless, uh, as someone who enjoys artwork, and especially when it comes to like video game art and card art, I actually really like this idea quite a bit. You take a world-famous painter like Van Gogh, whose artwork has stood the test of time, uh, and you mix it with probably one of the most popular games of all time, like Pokemon, I think it's a really cool crossover. Yeah, it's interesting. So one of the main reasons they're going for it here uh, in their press release, the Van Gogh Museum and the Pokemon Company have drawn on many years of educational expertise to create a special experience for children. And they kind of go on. There's going to be an exhibit about how to draw Pikachu, and it's going to walk them through, uh, obviously, one of the most iconic Pokemon out there and how to draw him. Uh, Children, I think, are going to eat that up. Uh, There's some letters involved as well in here, but it's also just some really cool exhibit portraits. Um, For the ones, those live here with us on stream, we have a little Snorlax action, some Pikachu. I can't remember that flower Pokemon's name, but it looks great in that vase as well. Uh, Very much kind of a Van Gogh style, um, paying heed to uh, him for the museum's 50th anniversary there as well. Um, I love this. I think it's a great collab. It's a collab, again, I never saw coming. It doesn't seem like something that's going to click too much for gamers. Um, But overall, if you are over in Amsterdam, I think this is a cool exhibit. And it's one of those really cool seasonal ones that will go away eventually. So if you're over there, take the time to go see it while it does exist. That being said, John, I don't have anything else to touch on for Nintendo this week. Do you have anything else that comes to mind to you? Uh, I still don't own a Switch. Uh, It's very upsetting. Um, So if we're keeping track of... The John still doesn't have a Switch counter. Uh, we're going on like four years now. Uh, so still don't have a Switch. Still want a Switch. So please use your Prime sub on OTN. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, you might as well wait it out, right? Exactly. Like you'll have the new Switch coming out. And then at that point, you could choose, hey, I go with the new hardware or I go with the discounted old hardware. For sure. Seems like a win-win situation for me. Uh, if only their prices on games went down over time. Unfortunately, they seem to go up. Uh, in just Nintendo things. I, I will say, be- <laughs> my only issue with Nintendo, right? You get, like, let's say a Destiny bundle for PlayStation. It comes with the console. It comes with the game. You get the Zelda bundle with the Switch. You're paying extra for the fancy design on the Switch, but it still does not come with the game. That I don't like. <laughs> I check back around Black Friday. I feel like they, I can't speak for certain, but I want to say the games are included at least with something like a big Black Friday sale. They better. They better. With that being said, though, let's head over to our Blue Brethrens. Uh, they have had a rough week. Uh, while Nintendo doesn't have too much news to report, PlayStation has a lot of news. Uh, some a little bit more positive than the rest. Some pretty negative out there as well. We're going to start with the negative stuff up front so we can end on the positives. Kicking things off, a ransomware group has claimed to have breached all Sony systems. Yeah, that sounds pretty bad. Uh, We still have not heard if this is true as of yet. Uh, There is some evidence floating around. They had, I want to say it was like 6,000 images or 6,000 lines of code, 6,000 something uh, that ended up being leaked. But even then, it didn't feel like it was incriminating evidence as of yet. Uh, So there is some investigation going on. 
So far, the only statement from Sony is not acknowledging that it happened, nor saying it didn't happen, but purely that they are investigating the claims. So we're going to have to wait on that one to hear more information. Uh, John, I believe you did have a PlayStation the last time they had a major hack, though, correct? Yeah, and it shut down the PlayStation Network for over a month. Uh, that was a disaster. That actually, uh, Joey, little known fact, forced me to go out and buy an Xbox 360 uh, <laughs> when that happened. And I remember thinking to myself, like, how the hell does anyone play Xbox with this awful <laughs> controller? And now here I am with an Xbox Series X all those years later. Uh, yeah, um, Sony and hackers are like peanut butter and jelly for some reason. Um, it, it just feels like every other year we get a, we hear a story about Sony being hacked, and it's always targeting PlayStation, the PlayStation servers, and PlayStation gamers. I, I just I don't understand why. Yes, Sony's not exactly in the best light at the moment, uh, especially here in the U.S. when it comes uh, you know, in, with that whole merger. With Activision Blizzard and Microsoft, Sony is the biggest, uh, you know, person crying about it, uh, to put it in in in, in layman's terms there. Um, but other than that, like it, it just blows my mind that Sony, a, a major tech company that creates more than just the world's most popular video game console, um, creates TVs, creates monitors, creates you all sorts of technology, headsets, and everything that they do not have a better security system, better IT department to to fight off hackers. And and, and it, to me, it just blows my mind. It's like, if you're going to have your personal information on the internet, like let's, let's say as, as Joe Schmo, like you and I, Joey, two-step authentication tied to a cell phone that you have access to generally will do it for the individual person. But for a company, two-step authentication is not enough. You need like 50-step authentication and sometimes. If you're not directly plugged into your company's intranet, then you should have to go through multiple steps to log in. It's a safety thing. For some reason, Sony doesn't do it. Or if they do, they don't do it well enough. And because they don't do it well enough, this seems to happen on an every other year basis. I'm sure there is some good security over there. But like you said, it is something that seemed to happen a little bit more often than it should, at least in recent years. Now, it's been a while since it's been a widespread one, like this one is claiming to be. And again, these are purely claims. We have no idea. We've seen this 6,000 lines or whatever, or it's floated around. Um, but we really don't know what that means, what that looks like, if they're fabricated. We're going to have to wait until Sony comes up with what they've claimed from that investigation. Now, with that being said, uh, if you are a member on PlayStation currently, it's probably a smart practice to go ahead and be proactive, change your password. If you don't have two-factor authentication set up already, now would probably be a very good time to go do so. Uh, just in the case that a hack actually did happen, protect your information, protect your account the best way you can. And again, eventually we will hear back from Sony on if there was a true hack, and if so, how many people are impacted. Now, one thing of note, uh, with all the negatives here, there is a small positive. Uh, unfortunately, your information might be stolen, but they did give away a ton of free games last time this happened. So uh, for the PlayStation people out there, you might get a nice little game bundle coming your way uh, if this hack did come through and you still have access to your account because you listened to tonight's show and set up that two-factor authentication. Yeah, I mean, if you enjoy playing a game that was released in, in, in 2009, yeah, enjoy the oh, free game from Sony. Oh, it wasn't that bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it makes complete sense. Yeah, so Sony, you know... They're not going to give you anything good or a value or anything that they're going to make money on. It's not going to be anything recent. They may give you like 20 bucks to the PlayStation store 
So, uh, you know, that $80 game you really want, congratulations, it's now back down to last year's price of $60. You're too much. What? I think it would be a better <laughs> deal than that. I mean, uh, I, I'm not going to look it up now because we have way too many topics to go through. Um, but I want to say it was a pretty healthy bundle last time. It was like, I want to say like six to ten games, maybe even a little bit more. And there were some big, pretty banger games in there. Um, but again, that was a giant hack. As John said, I feel like the thing was down for like almost a month or whatever worth of time. Uh, so it was definitely a lot to be made up for in that area. Hopefully this one will not be the case. It seems like PlayStation Network is still functioning, at least at this point. Uh, and we'll have to keep an eye out for what ends up happening. Again, as Sony reports it down the line. Uh, next up, and again, just one more piece of negative news in my opinion here. Video game statue manufacturer Gaming Heads has claimed it has been told to destroy all its licensed PlayStation stock. Now again, this is a claim. We don't have full proof of this. Uh, we're just being told from the Gaming Heads perspective what the deal is here. Uh, to me, this again is not a great look for PlayStation if this is the case. Uh, and why is it being told to begin with? We really don't have too many uh, ideas of why they're being told to d delete their stock or destroy their stock in this case. Uh, what exactly the purpose of that is. Is there something wrong with the company that they're trying to play and cut ties with? Um, yeah, I mean, I could speculate for days, but I really have no idea if this is true, one, but two, if it is, why? Yeah, especially since the, ret the retailer has already been saying that these pre-orders, Sony has already collected royalties on. Um, so if you've already collected the royalties, I, I feel like if you're going to go this route and you're going to destroy it, you sh as a company should have to repay those royalties back to the vendor and ultimately back to the customer. Uh, you don't just get to keep money from an item that people are not going to keep. And you're not going to screw over a, you know, the person that's selling your merchandise. That doesn't make any sense. It's a great, that's a great way to do terrible business. Um, and I have a feeling that, you know, there would be grounds for legal action, too, uh, saying, you know, oh, destroy your inventory and we're not going to give you the royalties back that we forced you to pay us uh, for carrying our product and selling our product. That makes no sense. Um, again, don't know if it's true or not, uh, but it's, it's a very bad look for Sony and Sony's PR department is definitely earning their money money within the past 12 months. Yeah, it is definitely a mess with this one. And again, like John said, like we said at the beginning, we're not 100% sure if this is true. I think one thing that tends to make it seem like it is true, however, is one, the company wrote an open letter to Sony on social media. That doesn't exactly say we're lying and we're going to continue to push more into this lie. And two, Sony's PR has not said anything about it. Usually when a PR department is silent, it is not a good sign. Uh, so something probably went through here. And again, the gaming heads company is saying they did not get a reasons from Sony. They were just told we have to destroy our merchandise. Uh, no real reason behind it. And again, as John was going into, no talk about getting those royalties back either, apparently. So it's one of those things we'll keep an eye on. Again, Sony has a lot of questions to answer in the weeks ahead. And this being kind of one of those big topics alongside the hack that has not really put them in the greatest light this week. And I think probably one of the, the interesting thing here is if you look, take a look at the tweet from the, the uh, retailer. They included the letter with the email address of the contact at Sony. Uh, a lot of people are upset because they're like, oh, you shouldn't be putting their email out there. You know what? At the end of the day, I, I'm generally I'm not OK with the idea of doxing people like that. But if this whole thing is true and Sony's doing that and they're not repaying those royalties, have at them. Start emailing them. Make them change their email address. Make them change everything. 
like just bombard their inbox because it's horrible business ethics. You should not be allowed to tell a retailer to destroy the product that you have sent them for that have already been paid for that you've already collected royalties on and not issue that money back. I mean, Joey, I feel, I think the realtor has a great idea here. The ones that were already pre-ordered, why not just ship those out and stop taking new orders? Like mm-hmm. instead of, you know, selling more and more and more, just say, Hey, look, okay, we're not selling this anymore. Sony doesn't want us to sell it. If you've already pre-ordered it or you already ordered it, guess what? You get it. No one else gets it. And you send the rest of the stock back to, to Sony. And guess what? You pay for the royalties of the ones that were sold, and you don't get the royalties for the ones that weren't sold. Simple as that. I think that's a fair practice if you want well, to do and it John, that they way. don't even want the stock back. They want the stock destroyed. destroyed. Exactly. Like, what? Like, it makes Hello? no sense. Why? Why? Why is a very big themed question here, especially with that one. So, again, we'll keep an eye on that and see how it develops. Uh, a lot of question marks, and it seems like Sony is not giving the answers to Statue Maker gaming heads as of yet either. But hopefully their PR department does respond here in the very near future. Next up, uh, I wouldn't say this is negative news, but it is definitely a surprise this week. Jim Ryan is stepping down as the PlayStation CEO, set to retire in spring 2024. Uh, who's going to take over in the interim? It is going to be Hiroki Totoki who is going to take over from Sony Group's interactive or Sony Group International rather uh, coming down and helping with that PlayStation brand. Uh, he has experience with Sony for many years so I think he will fit in pretty well and knows what the corporate side of Sony wants to see out of PlayStation as well. And then eventually I wouldn't be surprised if we see someone like Herman Holst who is that head of PlayStation first party studios eventually taking that helm that Jim Ryan once held as well. But we will keep an eye out for that as it comes. Uh, John, this was a big surprise. Uh, Jim Ryan obviously has gotten his fair share of criticism over the past couple months, uh, especially in relation to the Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal. Uh, he has taken on the nickname Lion Ryan, uh, which does seem like something Donald Trump came up with, but it was social media, in fact. Uh, you mean um, Donald Duck. <laughs> it is, uh, it's wild. Um, he has come out and made some interesting statements in court here and there. But with that being said... Uh, with all of that behind him at this point, he has had a very successful career with Sony. Sony is also in a record year right now. Uh, some people questioning the choice of some of the first-party studios pivoting to a little bit more of a live service model, and I think that's a fair case. Um, but you also have to look at the console sales, right? PlayStation 5 is outpacing every PlayStation console before it, which is insane, especially given the current economy. Uh, PlayStation continuing to sell consoles. This year has been a little weak for PlayStation first-party. It has not slowed down console sales at all. They continue to tick boxes, continue to sell really well worldwide. So if you look at Jim Ryan's time there, and again, he was with Sony, I want to say it was like 29 years or something. I don't have the number in front of me, uh, but definitely quite a few decades. And he's been with this company. He's done a good job with this company, building himself up to that position of where he is as the CEO overlooking PlayStation. And again, record sales doing so. There are some questionable decisions. I think you can say during the PS4 era especially, or rather the PS3 era, I'm sorry, uh, with the way the pricing was up front when that console first launched. But PS4 did phenomenally well, and they've done a really good job retaining a lot of those players into the PS5 era as well. What else you got to say about our boy Jim Ryan, John? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. 
Nothing else to say on Jim Ryan. Uh, there are some good press releases out there, guys, as well as a note from Jim Ryan, if you guys want to check that out. Uh, he goes a little bit into his decision. Uh, citing travel is one of the main reasons. He feels like he's going to L.A. one week, and then he's going to Tokyo, and then he's going to London, and it just feels like there's a lot of travel, and he kind of spends the time uh, almost being like he's on a layover of sorts, uh, just kind of trying to find what time zone he's in and just constantly traveling. And at an older age, it's starting to wear and tear on him and his family a little bit, so... He's decided it is the right time to step back next spring. Hey, he just keeps forgetting what time senior bingo happens. At his, oh, my uh, gosh. He's not that this. old. <laughs> okay, people. Uh, next up, and some more positive news on the PlayStation side, or rather the best PlayStation positive news this week. Uh, PlayStation Plus is getting some nice monthly games coming in October. For the horror fans out there, particularly those that like that Dead Space kind of genre, you have the Callisto Protocol coming through as one of the free games. That one available on PS5 and PS4. In fact, all three of these are. Uh, the second one is one of John's favorites, Farming Simulator 2022. You lay those crops down, John, and pick them right back up. And then last but not least, we have Weird West as well. Uh, this was on my list of indie games to watch out for, I believe, last year. Uh, definitely a fun one and one to keep an eye on there. Pretty fun little... Um, it's like a top-down kind of RPG aspect game. I didn't really get to play too much of it, unfortunately, um, but it is one that did pretty well out there with critics and one worth picking up when these do drop in October. Okay, with that being said, I think we're going to slide away from PlayStation. And again, guys, there was tons of news this week. We've had to cut stories left and right. Uh, unfortunately, not able to make everything, but we did try to hit the biggest ones. Uh, the biggest one for Sony, obviously, being Jim Ryan stepping down. We'll have more on that as we develop more information about what that transition is going to look like down the road. Over to Xbox. Taking things off a little bit light, Cuphead is getting the Xbox anniversary. Uh, Cuphead and Xbox, I believe it was an idea at Xbox game, in fact, when it initially launched. They had a fun little partnership, and Cuphead wants to give back to the Xbox fans, as well as the PC fans who bought it on the Windows Store initially. Uh, we're seeing 100 photos from the MDHR archive, behind-the-scenes videos, a soundtrack, and more. All dropping with this collection in an update that is dropping tomorrow, Friday, September 29th. Uh, John, Cuphead is one of those games. I love the art style. It gives me those classic Mickey Mouse, Disney type of vibes. Uh, on top of that, it is a tough game. It has, again, a really cool art style, but a very vicious gameplay cycle to it. Uh, difficulties definitely ranging to very, very hard. Um, I think it's a fun game, but it is a frustrating game to play. Uh, and I'm excited, as always, to get a chance to dive into the development cycle of a game like this. Yeah, it's really cool. Anytime they kind of peel the curtains back there a little bit and kind of give you a behind-the-scenes uh, view of what it takes to build the game and, like, kind of the unique aspects of the game, and especially, you know, uh, you know, releasing new photos of, like, you know, different aspects of the game, uh, behind-the-scenes videos, music. I mean, all the stuff that makes games great. Uh, releasing extra media on that is is always always a good thing. I mean, you take a look at like collector editions. Like back when physical games were a thing, uh, getting a collector's edition. You know, you go to the store and you get this, this gigantic box has like a statue in it. No, sorry, so I remember I did it for um, the American Revolution of uh, game for Assassin's Creed, um, and I got like you know the statue and I got a flag and I got all this other random stuff in there. Uh, now it's like a lot of this stuff is all digital. Um, yeah, there are still physical like collector's editions out there, uh, but it, it's not as frequently done anymore. It's all like in-game things or, or digital releases or digital access to certain things. 
Um, so I, I do like this. I think it's really cool. Uh, I do enjoy seeing behind the scenes, especially in a game like Cuphead that has that old school cartoony feel of like the 1940s and 1950s. Uh, and then like the the challenges of a 21st century game. Like It looks goofy, but it, it's a very, very, very difficult game that has uh, caused the the lives of many controllers out there. Uh, so, so it's, 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 it's a very interesting mix between the two. I like it. I'm still urging us to play a co-op game at some point, though. I am nervous for the sake of my TV and controller's health. I've um, never hit a TV before <laughs> throwing a controller, Joey. So you're, you're fine. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I do think it would be fun though. Uh, frustrating, but fun all the same. So we'll keep an eye out for Cuphead. Again, if you guys want to dive into that fun new stuff coming to the Xbox and Windows PC versions of that, you can check it out when it drops tomorrow, September 29th. Uh, next up, just a quick hit on this one. Xbox is getting a surprise second September update. Uh, the big thing to hit on here, there's a few different updates to drop, um, but the most important thing, in my opinion, is the backing up of your existing captures. So if you guys are out there taking pictures in games, if you guys are out there taking videos in games, there's now an automatic upload that you can set up to drop onto OneDrive. And if you have a Microsoft account, you already have a OneDrive account. Uh, so it's pretty easy to set up. You guys can check this out on Xbox Wire. And they'll tell you exactly how to set it all up. Uh, but it is something you're going to want to do because it sounds like the clips that are saved on the cloud version of Xbox Network, I want to say they're going to last. I don't have it in front of me. I think it was 60 days, maybe 90 days. Um, but there is a finite number. So if they're not downloaded physically on your Xbox console or if they're not on OneDrive, they could get deleted after again, I think it's like 60 days. So check out the article, Xbox Wire, uh, if you guys do want to connect those OneDrive accounts to make sure everything else is backed up. Uh, plus, they added some other nice little updates here about apps and sports and different things like that. Check those out as well. Next up, we have Halo's Master Chief, very iconic for the Xbox platform, dropping into Rainbow Six Siege this week as a skin in-game. Uh, we do have a little teaser trailer, John. I don't know if we have the ability to play that here on stream tonight, um, but it is a cool little introduction. It's a nice little way of showing Master Chief moving his way into Rainbow Six Siege, which feels a little OP to me uh, to put a Spartan amongst these just normal agents. Um, with that being said, it is a skin. He's going to play the same way as the person he is skinned as. Uh, which I want to say the guy's name is Sledge, if I remember correctly. Um, the guy with the big hammer, Master Chief is going to come in with his own hammer here and see how many enemies he can take down along with walls. Uh, overall, I love this collaboration. It's one, again, I didn't really see coming. Uh, it's kind of up there with Pokemon and Van Gogh for me, this one making slightly more sense. Uh, with that being said, it is tempting to jump back into Siege to try out this skin. Yeah. If all we needed was a character from a dead game going to another game. This oh, my gosh. Joey, is this going to be enough to bring people back to Halo Infinite? I don't think so. No, uh, yeah, probably okay, not. Okay, cool. So, <laughs> so it's a crossover that no one wanted. It's a crossover that no one saw. Cool. Great. Awesome. Uh, this has Nick Cage in Dead by Daylight written all over it. No, it does uh, not. I think if You're you see wild. a Master Chief in Rainbow Six, you should automatically prioritize killing them. Simple as that. You are wild. Toxic. Uh, I will go out on a limb because I've seen this happen so many times. Halo collaborations always seem to spike up player numbers. So I would say they see a significant jump in player numbers. I would say at least 10%, if not more than that, uh, when this skin does eventually drop in that initial few days afterwards. Whether you like it or not, I mean, Fortnite has taught us one thing, right? If you put in random skins of other properties people like, it will draw players in. Star Wars skins 
hundreds of thousands of people rush to play Fortnite. That's different, You though. put we, in we, South Park skins. <laughs> thousands of people would rush to do it. You put in a Halo skin, we've seen some of the biggest jumps out there, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see a nice, healthy jump here for Rainbow Six Siege as well. I'm sorry. Did, did you just compare Halo to Star Wars? Uh, no, no, no. It was just one example oh, out there. Okay. Of course not. Star Wars is such a bigger IP. <laughs> such a bigger IP. That's not even a comparison, even with the sequels <laughs> in the works over here. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Next up, uh, one more Master Chief thing. This is cool, John. You're going to like this. Uh, we'll pull this one up for those here on Twitch with us. Uh, this is a sick animation shared by a COD developer, uh, Rain and Serrano, at Hyper3D for those on X or formerly Twitter. Uh, this is really cool. Uh, it's like a reimagined assassination using the Needler. Uh, so we'll get that up here for those live with us on stream. Again, if you guys are not with us on stream, check out at Hyper3D on Twitter or X to find this animation. Uh, it is hella brutal. But as someone Bro. who's looking forward to this Activision <laughs> deal eventually going through, uh, I am really curious what these COD devs could inspire the Halo devs to bring to the table. This is wild. It's brutal, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I'll be honest. I've never understood why you couldn't, like, stab them with the needles on top of the needler for you know for whatever reason like as a melee like it should be able to do more damage but this is brutal like the blood goes flying everywhere <laughs> and just and then the explosion on top of it I, the needler is probably one of the uh more iconic guns in, in video game history i freaking love the needler fear the pink mist ladies and gentlemen um, but yeah, I am I'm very excited by this animation uh, and curious what else might come to the table in future animations by our boy at Hyper3D over there. Uh, last but not least in the Xbox section, micro Minecraft Dungeons. I was going to say Microsoft Dungeons. Uh, those are the deep depths of Windows. Minecraft Dungeons, however, has broken 25 million players and it is now content complete. Some people upset about that. Uh, player numbers were starting to dwindle as far as those active monthly users. Uh, with that being said, the total player count hitting 25 million is a great milestone for that game. And Minecraft, the devs over there at Mahjong, have a lot more to come, right? Minecraft, Minecraft Bedrock Edition, the Java Edition. Uh, you had Minecraft Legends released this spring. There's a lot going on with the Minecraft IP, and it's one of those things where I'm glad they feel okay putting projects out, putting some good expansions and DLCs out, and then eventually moving on and doing other things. Uh, I like that there is some freedom there with that studio to do this, that. And again, this game is going to live on for many years. It'll be on Steam sales. It's available on Game Pass forever, practically, at least to my knowledge. Um... And I, I don't think we'll get updates in the future, but you never know if anything does eventually come through. Um, but with that being said, in a day and age where it feels like games are coming out every other week, it is nice to know there is something out there that's content complete as well uh, that can be run through and that's not going to constantly get more and more DLCs coming as well. Anything else to say on the Xbox News, John, before we slide over to the PC Master Race? Copyright, trademark, all that fun stuff. No, oh my no. God. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, I don't No, I don't have anything. Um, still playing through Starfield, so I like it. Great choices. <laughs> Great choices being made there and lots of choices in game that may Such alter the way Jayon's story ends up playing out in Starfield. Uh, with that being said, we will slide over to the PC gaming section here and sticking with Minecraft. We're going to talk about the Minecraft X Dungeons and Dragons collaboration. 
uh, for those live here on Twitch as well. We will play the video. Guys, this is one of the coolest looking collaborations. Now, again, it is Minecraft. It's in 16-bit or whatever. It looks very boxy. Um, but Dungeons & Dragons is a rich IP with so much to pull from, from the magic classes to the armor, the weapons, the monsters. Uh, there is quite a bit going on here in this DLC. It looks like some custom weapons, custom armors. You have a lot of those iconic D&D uh, characters from the gelatinous cube to some nice 10, 12 eye monsters. You have a mimic treasure chest in this video. Uh, lots of fun stuff to happen in the forgotten realms of Minecraft in this latest expansion. Yeah, I think this is going to be a unique way to play D&D &D going forward, too. Um, Ooh. You know, I... There's one thing about like getting together with a group of friends around a table, kind of like in the beginning of the video, you had the pizza boxes stacked up at the end. Like it's 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 very, very accurate. <laughs> as much as I hate to say it, but uh, like if you have these pre-built worlds, or you can build your own world, and like you're a dungeon master, and you can like literally be like, oh, okay, cool, uh, you know, okay, here, here's your your choice. Like you have the tunnel to the right and the tunnel to the left, you know, and there's like this this visual thing, and you have your your character in game. And you can change those stats instead of like having like look, look for me like I don't I don't do math I don't like math I hate math uh, you plug and play all the stuff in this D and uh, D upgrade for Minecraft and just be like oh you get one extra charisma point boom tap it in character extra charisma point whatever roll in game all the RNG in there just it's it's just a new immersive way of really bringing D&D to life through Minecraft. I think it's actually pretty pretty cool. Oh, I love it. And just imagining all the mods people will do, especially in Java Edition, how those will play into it, how they'll customize the monsters, how, like you said, they can almost revamp the campaign, right? Like, this will have some story mode to it, I'm sure, but once you get those mods involved, you can completely change up the way things work as well. You can put all the monsters in one room, or you can do something absolutely insane and create your own campaign as well. So I think there's going to be a lot of fun customization that comes through with this one, too. Yeah, like you have the Demigorgon in the back room, and then they never there know you go. until they walk into the back you room. You can even replay Stranger Things, for all you know, in this one. Uh, but lots of possibilities. Th this may be the most accurate screenshot ever. You have everyone huddled around the, the tabletop version of it with their, with their character sheets out. You have uh, the, the, the campaign books. You have the juice boxes. You have the sodas. You have the pizza that's half eaten, still open, from that you ordered from eight hours ago when you first started the campaign. Um, you have the dungeon master hiding behind the, the wall. I just... It, <laughs> and it's the most accurate video I have ever seen <laughs> coming to Dungeons & Dragons. It's great. So again, guys, if you want to check that out, I don't have the date in front of me, but Minecraft X Dungeons and Dragons will be coming soon enough. So check out that collab. Actually, says if now you are a Minecraft player, or oh, there you go, now yeah. available according to John and his sheet over there. So you guys can dive right in right now and hop on the back of that dragon as your blocky self makes its way across the Forgotten Realm. Next up, and this is a game I've been feeling the itch to jump back into recently. Uh, that is Age of Empires. John, we have a Halloween in the update incoming, as well as a nice expansion bringing on two new civilizations a little bit down the road. So first up, that seasonal event is going to be Hallow's Hearth. Starting next month, you'll be able to explore a delightfully spooky biome with our latest seasonal event, Hallow's Hearth. This event features an eerie event-exclusive biome and 10 challenges to overcome for thematical rewards. Uh, we hope you have a hauntingly good time. I swear I didn't write this blog post. 
Uh, this <laughs> one is going to run. Like it. <laughs> it's going to run October third, uh, starting at 10 a.m. Pacific time through November seventh at midnight Pacific time. So looks like you get a little over a month on that one. I will probably be diving in. I love the look of this new haunted biome. It kind of has that broken spooky tree look to it a little swampy here and there kind of barren and it also has that nice layer of fog coming in as well uh it looks like a fun little biome to play in and again you get some nice little portraits some coat of arms and such as well for the challenges uh to bring your customization up to a new spooky level a little swampy a little swampy. Uh, this next one, John, I want to get a little bit of your thoughts on because I know you've really liked diving into some of these civilizations in games like Civilization Five and Six, uh, as well as Age of Empire, uh, as well as the campaign. You've gone through quite a bit. I think of the two of us, you've gone through more of the campaign than I have. Uh, this is coming with new eight campaign missions, two new civilizations, the Japanese and the Byzantines, four new variant civilizations. I think one that I've seen advertised a lot is Joan of Arc. Uh, we have 10 new maps, two new biomes, and a new unlockable reward. So right on the heels of the Halloween event, another big one coming here as well. I believe this one is set to land later in October, maybe early early November. I'll have to double-check that date. Um, but overall, thoughts on the new missions, the new civilizations, what all is coming in this next update? Uh, I, If there's one period of, of time I love studying and reading about, it's the Byzantine Empire. Uh, you know, Right around uh, 330 A.D., uh, Constantinople, you had um, uh, Constantine. It just it was such a dynamic empire that was in the the rich, fertile area uh, of uh, present day uh, Istanbul in Turkey. Um, so it's it's that whole area, obviously, like the the epicenter of most Abrahamic uh, religions, all three Abrahamic religions. Uh, so there, so that area, like 2,000 years ago, 1,700 years ago, a, a hotbed. Uh, the Byzantine Empire, absolutely fascinating. Uh, honestly, I was shocked it didn't come out in the initial release, uh, along with the Japanese. Those are two civilizations that are, are usually considered pretty standard uh, when it comes to history-based games like these. Uh, so it is nice that they're finally adding them in. I do like the mission campaigns uh, coming back in eight new uh, mission campaigns, which is great because I'll be honest, um, I wanted more campaign missions. I, I, I wanted more because I felt like I blew through them too quick. Um, they're challenging. I love learning about history that way. You kind of put yourself into those moments in history and recreate them through a video game. Again, I'm a history nerd. It's fine. Uh, new variant civilizations, I think those are great. New maps, even better. New biomes, love that as well. Uh, this is a very, very solid update, uh, and I like this. But a, a big round of applause for the team for Age of Empires for finally putting the Japanese and the Byzantine Empire in there. I think that is absolutely fantastic, finally adding those two civs in. Yeah, I think it'll be really fun. And as we get closer to the launch, uh, we'll get more details of what those civilizations' exclusive units are, what their powers and abilities are. Um, I think they're called powers and abilities. It's nothing like super special or anything like that, um, but some like little efficiencies toward, yeah, certain yeah. things like that. They're special units. There's usually a special building or two. Uh, maybe you get some kind of little perk, like someone harvests meat a little quicker or someone chops wood a little quicker. Uh, little things like that usually pop up as well. So we'll keep an eye as those details get closer. Uh, I'm also a huge fan of the Japanese kind of feudal architecture style. So I think that'll be cool making its way onto the maps as well. Just wait till you see the Byzantine Empire architecture, Joey. It blows everything out of the water. 
it will be lit. Many, many games hopefully to come in our future of Age of Empires. Uh, next up, John, I know is a big story on your mind, a big story for a lot of World of Warcraft and Blizzard fans. Blizzard and video game industry legend Chris Metzen has made his way back, but now he's made his way back in a full-time role, initially kind of coming on as a consultant, now taking up a full-time role once again in Blizzard as the executive creative director of the Warcraft universe. Yeah, I love this. I I freaking love this, Joey. Um, this move is great. When Chris Metzen left in 2016, I honestly worried about the future of the Warcraft franchise, the World of Warcraft franchise, and the expansions and the storytelling and just the direction the game was going to go. Then obviously uh, the news broke about the toxic workplace, the sexual harassment, and everything that was going on at Blizzard. Uh, and that really drove a, a dagger into a lot of the development teams, not just for Warcraft, but for Overwatch, StarCraft, Heroes of the Storm. All the titles got hit by that. And that's some, one of the things that Warcraft players, obviously Blizzard's top title, uh, saw was the result of that were expansions that felt incomplete, that felt broken, that the story didn't make sense. You had Battle for Azeroth, uh, that that uh, started with a gigantic sword being stabbed into the planet and then some magical uh, crystal called Azerite popping up. Uh, and then it finishes with void, go- void lords and, and old gods and, and everything. It just it made no sense. Then you transition into Shadowland. Uh, the the afterlife of of World of Warcraft and that made no sense and it was probably one of the worst expansions so bad that Blizzard even cut the final major patch for it and said screw it we're just gonna roll right into Dragonflight Dragonflight wasn't bad it's still not bad uh, but when you follow two crappy expansions you stand out quite well well one of the things was is Chris Metzen came to Blizzard in in ninety three. But put that into perspective, 1993, uh, started working on Warcraft back when it was just uh, an RTS game. Uh, it, wasn't a, it wasn't an MMORPG. It was just a, you know, a real-time strategy and, and, and eventually evolved into like a role-playing game in itself. But Chris Metzen was behind it, was helped develop characters. He's the voice of Thrall. I mean, come on. Uh, he is so enrooted in what made Warcraft and World of Warcraft great. His departure was felt. Him coming back, seeing him excited, seeing the community get excited again. Rumors have it the next expansion that may be announced at BlizzCon in November is going to be a Chris Metzen expansion. And that has the player base fired up, has me fired up. I want to see him back on stage because that man brought the energy to BlizzCon. Something that Ian, the game director for World of Warcraft, is incapable of doing. He doesn't show emotion. Um, Joey, the, the hot take, which is actually is not a hot take anymore because the whole community believes this. Eventually, Chris Metzen is going to become the director of World of, War- World of Warcraft going forward. I honestly see this as a move to get Ian out of his position. Uh, I don't have any evidence to back that up. That's just a gut feeling. I mean, you don't bring back a power player like Chris Metzen. And put him back into a major role, like executive creator, director, creative director of Warcraft. I mean, he's literally going to be directing the game, essentially. It, it, that's what Ian supposedly has been doing for the past three, four expansions and has been doing it terribly. Uh, so Chris Metzen back, 
Fan base is fired up. I'm fired up. I can't wait for BlizzCon now. I was excited before. I'm freaking stoked now. Love Chris, Chris Metzen. Love him back home with Blizzard. Yeah, I mean, I think this is big news, right? Like, he was there during the best of times for World of Warcraft. Uh, there could be many, many good times to come. Uh, again, this is a new role. We don't know how long he's been performing tasks related to this role. He was on as a... Um, I don't remember if it was a contractor or if it was a consultant, what exactly the title was prior to this. Um, but as John said, he's been there for a little while. He's been working behind the scenes and now doing so in an official full-time capacity, I think, is a big win for those Warcraft players moving forward. Huge. Next up is maybe the biggest news in PC gaming this week, which, again, is wild because there's been so much crazy news. Counter-Strike 2, uh, it has dropped. Uh, we had some little teasers here last week on the CSGO account. Then we ended up with some Counter-Strike teasers this week. They kind of played off the old, I think it was Zelda Majora's Mask, like one more day or whatever the line was. I can't remember off the top of my head because I'm tired and it's a Thursday night. Um, but Counter-Strike 2 is now officially live. It's already up on Steam, replacing Counter-Strike Global Offensive on there. And with all said and done, this puppy is popping, John. Already over 1.25 million players playing concurrently last night. Uh, fourth launch day of this game. There are very, very, very few games out there bigger than CSGO. I think the only one you can really argue at this point is League of Legends. CSGO is one of those games, even with Fortnite, right? Fortnite makes a ton of money. Fortnite has a huge player base, but it does not have the adoption over in Asia. That is something that Counter-Strike has started to do. It has a decent Asian audience, but it has a giant European audience along with the Americans and North Americans in general. Um, I mean, it's huge. League of Legends, obviously, still the biggest puppy out there in the pond. Um, <laughs> puppy and pond? I'm really tired. Uh, Counter-Strike, though, doing really well. Putting up some big numbers. The new graphics look great. Uh, I mean, this was an old game, John. I don't remember when Counter-Strike Global Offensive came out. Uh, but those graphics were hella dated. Uh, they were definitely not looking very fresh. Uh, the fire looked... Um, pixelated is probably the nice way of saying it uh the smoke grenades also not super effective they just pretty much covered your screen in a nice little blur uh, but nowadays everything is going to look a lot sharper you still have the crazy economy around skins in this game especially knife skins uh, and i think the bullets should be hitting pretty softly in this one uh, but come down pretty hard as the game does start to get its legs under it and as players kind of learn uh, the new momentum around everything and how everything's going to look and work nowadays as well 1999 yeah, that puppy's old. Um, 20 years. Yeah. 20 plus years. It's, yeah. And it was a, so Counter Strike, you have to remember, was initially released as a mod for Half Life. Um, mm. So, kind of like League of Legends. I knew that. Kind of like League of Legends and, and Dota. That, that MOBA, those two MOBAs are based upon a mod of a World of War, not World of Warcraft, of a Warcraft 3 map. Mm hmm. Uh, and it launched into its own type of game. Uh, that's kind of what we saw here with Half-Life. Counter-Strike was a mod um, for Half-Life uh, and just kind of took on its, its, its own life. Uh, so that, that's really, really cool. Um, I love the new graphics. I think it looks great. Um, I was watching a video earlier today. XQC already like, like pocketed $4 million in like rares that he's unboxed from like weapons and weapon skins and everything. Absolutely freaking insane, uh, the market on CSGO. But I feel like from what we've seen so far, a lot of people's fears of losing the original CSGO in favor of CSGO 2. Um, again, it, it's still very early, um, but I would put it out there. They have not 
overwatched to it. Um, mm. So so it's a very low bar, and I feel like they're they're jumping over that bar with with plenty of clearance right now, uh, based upon from what we've seen. So. Uh, congrats on the launch of CSGO 2. It looks great, and I, I think a lot of people are going to be very happy with it. And I think the other thing there, and again, I am not a giant CS player, so don't criticize me if I'm completely wrong, but I think the biggest move here was a graphical update. Yeah. They're going to add new, uh, I don't know if there's new weapons, but there's definitely new maps involved, but a lot of it was just purely a graphical update versus Overwatch 2 that says, hey, you know that six stack that you like to play with? Well, they're now a five stack. You're losing a tank. Uh, and they completely changed up the meta. They completely changed up the way that game worked. So I think CS at least did it a little bit smoother. And on top of that, CS didn't hold back content for this game. They weren't like, oh, you're not going to get this hero now until three months later because we have to hold heroes over for Overwatch 2. Uh, I think they did a good job. <laughs> well, they weren't releasing a ton of content on a great cadence. Uh, they did still release things here and there. They still continue to update the game effectively, uh, something we've seen some other game makers not quite do as well with their live service projects. Jerry, are you telling me Valve is going to cut the uh, PvE content that was promised for CSGO 2? <laughs> <I> no, <know>, right? <laughs> like, six, <laughs> like a full year into the lifespan? Are you going to... <laughs> What a mess, I tell you. What a giant mess. Uh, with that being said, just one more quick hit here in the PC gaming section. Uh, this one also a little bit of a move into the PlayStation genre. Uh, Horizon Forbidden West Complete Edition is coming to PC. Again, big PlayStation first-party game there in Horizon. This is the second game, and Forbidden West here now. The Complete Edition does include that DLC as well. It's coming to PC in early 2024. Uh, definitely one to put on your list if you're looking for a fun third-person action-adventure game to dive into. Over to our multi-plat general gaming news before we wrap up today's show. Uh, some sad news to kick things off, and that is the layoffs. Uh, unfortunately, in a year where it feels like gaming has done insane numbers of activations from player counts uh, to revenue in general, unfortunately, layoffs continue to be a thing. Some of the ones affected this week, Sega and their Creative Assembly especially, uh, their Hyenas game. It's a game that just got played at Gamescom last month. Uh, it's had some demos and betas run here and there. Unfortunately, I hate seeing games cut, but especially seeing games cut late in development. Uh, this one, unfortunately, not going to make it out. Uh, I think they saw it going the way of, I believe it was Ubisoft's Hyperscape, kind of one of those Battle Royale-esque games. This one, in fact, is a looter shooter, uh, a little bit more of that... Um, I wouldn't compare it to Destiny, uh, more like a competitive looter shooter, kind of like a Tarkov where you're kind of escaping is kind of the way I understood it. Again, I didn't do any of the play tests, um, but it is a game that a lot of people, well, I'm not going to say a lot of people, uh, a decent amount of people were looking forward to and hoping would land well. Um, but again, when there's live service games popping up everywhere, when there's battle passes just about everywhere you turn, uh, it does become hard for players to decide what to go with. And in today's economy, it feels like players are choosing one over the other, and it's kind of spreading player bases thin. Unfortunately, Sega saw this as a liability as they continued on into the game's development, maybe based on this playtest, maybe based on feedback they got at Gamescom. Um, but unfortunately, it does not look like hyenas will see the light of day. Uh, the other one that we saw affected here, and this is, again, a very big one. Uh, this is the maker of Fortnite and the Unreal Engine, Epic Games, with a giant set of layoffs coming this week, laying off 16% of their employees, which is nearly 900 employees in number. Uh, Fall Guys, Mediatonic is one of those heavily affected studios, uh, hearing some effect over there on the Fortnite side of things as well. Uh, we don't know exactly what the layoffs look like as a full scope yet, um, but unfortunately, about 900 employees will now be looking for jobs outside of Epic Games after this week is done. 
Moving from the negatives to some positives, Netflix gave us a look at some new video game adaptations, a little trailer coming here. We can play for those live with us on stream. Uh, we know there's so many video game adaptations to TV shows and movies in the works. I would say the number I've heard is somewhere around 70 to 75. Some of those announced, a lot of those still not announced. Um, Tomb Raider, The Legend of Laura Croft is one of those coming to Netflix. This one kind of an animated style Tomb Raider series, diving into some of the history of Laura Croft. I like the look of this. I, I mean, one of the things I'm going to do with all these video game adaptations, for better or for worse, uh, I will at least give one episode a try. Some of them I will grieve through, like the Master Chief show that was pretty bad. Uh, other ones I'll love, like The Last of Us, which was very high on my list. Uh, one that I've kind of put high on my list recently, um, I had three that were very high on my list when they came out. The Last of Us with HBO, uh, Fallout over there on Amazon. And then I don't remember which one has it, but the Elder Scrolls was kind of my other top three live action one. Um, I do think this Laura Croft one looks good. I think Netflix has some pretty cool animation style series coming out. Another one they just gave us a look at uh, was a Devil May Cry anime series as well. This one looks pretty decent. I was never a big Devil May Cry fan. Um, but again, it feels like Netflix has been landing pretty well with these animated series. Uh, they have a Gears of War one in the works that a lot of people are pretty excited for as well. Uh, we'll see how they eventually land. But at least when it comes to animation, it feels like Netflix has typically hit the nail on the head. So you actually watched the full season of Halo? I watched the full season of every video game spinoff so far, to my knowledge. Yeah, Halo lost me after the first episode where he took his helmet off. Um, yeah, that was, spoiler! That was a terrible creative decision. <laughs> I'm, I'm saving you from 45 minutes of, of pain and agony. Um, yeah, no bueno. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I will say the majority <laughs> of them have not been very good. No, they've been bad. Uh, I would say it's very rare for us to find good ones. I have not watched The Witcher, actually, so I do take that back. There are some I have not watched. That one's on my list. I've heard good things, though, so I would assume it's good enough. Um, the Last of Us, obviously, I think is the creme de la crop as far as good series adaptations go. Pretty accurate overall to the game, but they did take some liberties. And I think one thing you and I have suggested, it feels like multiple times now, John, is it's okay to take it based in the IP of a video game and do a spinoff series. Correct. You don't necessarily have to give us the full retelling of the game, but don't change the way the game story works either. Yes. If you want to change things and make it unique, go with a spinoff series with a side character. Uh, give us something a little bit different. Like uh, if we don't know much about the main character's backstory, give us a look at the backstory. Do something that you can dive into and allow you to have those creative decisions that can kind of divert a little bit, but they still stay within the realm of the game's IP. And I think that's where a lot of people end up making mistakes. They either try to go too accurate and then switch something that pisses players off, or they go way off script trying to do something unique to keep players interested and in turn just alienates a lot of them. Yeah, and I think The Last of Us did a great job with that. The Last of Us was very accurate to the game, but there were some changes that they made. Uh, and then they, that they had to make. And I think that's one of the cool things. Like when you're on a platform like HBO uh, or Max or whatever the heck they're calling their streaming service, I think Elon Musk helped them change their name. <laughs> um, you have those after episode breakdowns and they kind of go in depth on like, you know, what, you know, what part of the game they're trying to cover, how they were trying to do it. And like sometimes they'll be like, hey, look, you know, we know in the game this is how it happens. That doesn't really translate on screen because it's hard to see or it's hard to view or it's hard to make that assumption. And and this is a, a mass product for everyone, not just the gamers. So I feel like they did a fantastic job in the first season of adapting the story from the game, seeing those moments in game, and then also expanding on those moments. So there are several side stories 
uh, that they dove into even more that the that the video game maybe only gave you 10 15 minutes of content on you got a full episode's worth and then they played they played scenarios out they gave a little more background of stories of these side characters that people fell in love with in the video game and i think that's honestly the best way to do it another way of doing it kudos to arcane and netflix arcane's fantastic you take a game that really only has lore in the sense of a blog post uh, like league of legends and you run with it I mean, that series was absolutely great. It doesn't change the game at all. It gives you more, uh, you know, feeling and emotions towards certain characters. I think, like, everyone's in love with Jinx now. Um, you know, I mean, we even have someone here that, that's a lifelong Heimerdinger hater. Uh, you know, and, you know, was kind of hoping that, you know, Heimerdinger in Arcane would have, like, softened his hatred for him. No, it made him double down. It's It's ridiculous. But... But still, like when you take a game like that and you take those characters and you keep their abilities and you show them in a different light, like an animated series like Arcane, that's another great way of doing it. Ways of not doing it. The 90s Mario Bros. movie. Don't do it that way. That's just weird. The whole Goomba thing is weird. Don't do it. The animated version that just came out, we were very worried about Chris Pratt and his Mario voice. It was fine. The movie was great. Do it that way also. Just don't absolutely destroy the game uh, by taking just every little thing possible and just changing. Like the, the Warcraft movie. The Warcraft movie was meh at best. It wasn't Mario Bros. bad. It was still bad. Uh, and it definitely took some liabilities with the game, which I wasn't too happy with. But nonetheless, I think Last of Us should be the golden standard going forward. And I mean... I don't want to take away from what you said because Arcane is probably the closest thing to a 10 out of 10 for me out there. Mm -hmm. But it has to be said, no one pays attention or plays League of Legends for the lore. Oh, I know. Uh, there is <laughs> definitely some lore out there, but they've rewritten it multiple times. They have. Some people are like, oh, I thought Warwick was this. No, actually, he's this. And they just change things, and no one really even knows it's getting changed. <laughs> so from the League perspective, I think they had a little bit more room to work with than, say, someone from The Last of Us, from Halo, from these other series that do have story-based campaigns along with them versus League of Legends. It's like, it's late at night. I'm going to jump into an ARAM. I'm probably going to lose. Then I'm probably <laughs> going to play another one. And it just ends up rolling, and I don't care what character I end up with as long as I'm somewhat competent with them. I don't care what their backstory is. So I think because it doesn't have that story base, they do have a lot more room to work. Now, again, with that being said, the music in that series was phenomenal. The animation, phenomenal. The art direction was really cool. The story itself was great. And they ended up rewriting some of the lore because of it. And I think League of Legends, again, it's like Nintendo for me, right? Prices for those games go up over time. They are an exception. League of Legends is an exception here as well. And I think some of these other story-based games don't necessarily have that exception, so they do have to find other ways around. And I think, John, I want to say it was your original suggestion, kind of going off to those side stories does open that up for them to have that creative direction, have that creative freedom, but also not mess with the lore that's already there and loved with fans as well. Now, now that might be changing for League of Legends. They do have that MMORPG coming out. That is true. Uh, and, and that's going to set forth a, a massive standard. I'm kind of curious as to see how closely the team at Arcane is working with Riot in mm. terms of setting up the lore. Uh, because in all honesty, like there's a lot of MMORPGs out there that have tried to challenge World of Warcraft. If anyone's going to challenge them legitimately, 
it may as well be this this riot one for a League of Legends MMORPG. And there's a lot of people in World of Warcraft looking forward to it also. Um, so that's just something to keep in the back of the mind. I know we're probably still a couple years away from that game even being teased, um, but there's there's a lot of potential there. So we'll we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, I think end of this decade, 2027, I think would be the earliest you'd see it. <laughs> um, but it, it's a while away from what I've heard. It's so uh, I far. Think maybe we'll get some teasers in 2026, uh, but it should probably be a hot minute away on that one. But like John said, I mean, Riot has shown they can compete, whatever they do. They're about to come out with a fighting game. It'll probably be up there competing with Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter and all these other big-name fighting games, just like Valorant is up there competing with stuff like CSGO. How League of Legends instantly started competing with Dota. Uh, it's definitely a company that is able to find its footing in genres pretty quickly and do a pretty good job finding that audience. Okay, let's move on through some hardware stuff. Again, guys, we're going to kind of quick hit some of this stuff because we are getting a little bit late. It was a big, big show today. Uh, Meta announced the Quest 3 Mixed Reality Headset. It is set to be launching on October 10th, so just a couple weeks away. Priced at 499 for the base 128-gigabyte version and then 249 for the 512-gigabyte version. It will be backwards compatible with the Quest 2 library. That was a big thing a lot of people were asking about. That question has been answered and positively at that. On top of that, it's going to have 50 new titles at launch, at least according to Meta, it will. And then last but not least, a lot of people excited. It will have xCloud Gaming or X. Xbox Cloud Gaming, uh, mostly known by players as xCloud, uh, integration as well. So for those on Game Pass, you will have the ability to tap right into that too through the cloud. And it's about uh, I think 4, this 000... is a big win, John. Oh, I'm Go sorry. Ahead. I thought you were done. My bad. No, no, no. I was just say I think this is a big win overall. I mean, the pricing, I feel like, is a pretty good spot. We, we've always been nervous with VR pricing. I feel like it's starting to come down a little bit to a reasonable rate. Now, with that being said, 128 gigabytes goes very short in today's gaming. You can't even install Call of Duty on that. Uh, so that is one of the things to keep in mind here, depending on how much of that is going to be cloud streamed. And again, there are negatives with that as well with latency. So as far as the storage goes, I think there's room to be improved. Um, but overall, I think this looks like a pretty decent launch. Yeah. And when I think mixed reality headsets, I'm also thinking like what Apple's going to be coming out with next year, too. Mm. Uh, so this is an alternative to Apple's ridiculously priced like $3,500 mixed reality headset that they're coming out with. Um, this is a price that Apple is just foreign to. They don't understand anything that costs less than $1,000 when it comes to this. Uh, so I feel like this, I feel like Meta has a good chance to be a main competitor to Apple's obscure and horribly priced mixed reality headset. Absolutely. And I think Meta has kind of found their way in that scene. Again, acquiring Oculus, then rebranding them here. Uh, and I think they've been doing a pretty good job since then. And they seem to be, uh, at least from my perspective, as someone who doesn't really jump too much into VR and mixed reality, it seems like they are still finding their way as the market leader and holding on to that pretty decently. Next up, again, quick hit here. Logitech has teamed up with gaming chair company PlaySeat to make a new foldable racing sim cockpit chair. Uh, this one did some rounds over here on the OTN Discord with some nice-looking give-me-my-money, or take-my-money-rather gifts. Um, one of the things with this, John, I think it's good timing for those looking into the Forza Motorsport series. Uh, that obviously dropping here pretty soon in early October. This seat looks like it could be perfect uh, to play right alongside that. But again, it is going to cost you a little bit at $299 for this foldable racing sim. It's honestly not too bad. Yeah, it's really not too, too crazy. 
Uh, unless you're only buying it to play this yeah. game, then it might be a little pricey. Um, few software updates. We have some delays coming out. City Skylines 2 has been delayed to early 2024. In that spring range, it sounds like, for consoles, it will still be launching in PC, or on PC, rather, in late October. So PC players, who I think the majority of that audience will be, will be able to get that here pretty soon in the next month. Console players, it's going to be a little bit later into early 2024 for you. I'm just a uh, little nervous an- on that for, for the PC players. To, to me, if you're delaying the console versions, but you're still releasing it on PC, makes me a little nervous thinking that it may not be a complete game. There's going to be a lot of bugs and a lot of issues requiring a lot of mini patches several weeks after that game launches. Uh, so that does make me a little nervous as a as a person who's going to be playing this on PC. Yeah, I think that's definitely a valid point. With that being said, when I think City Skylines, I do think it's much easier to play on a mouse and keyboard versus a controller. So I could see the controller kind of being one of the big things here. Uh, I hope that's the case. But as John said, you just never know. When you see a delay like this, especially only being a month out, there could be more serious issues there. And it could mean they're trying to hammer out as many bugs as they can on one edition to try to get it out first. Uh, we do have another delay coming through from one of John's favorite studios, Don't Not Entertainment. Uh, Don't Not and Focus Entertainment have made the decision to delay Banisher's Ghosts of New Eden to early 2024. This one landing now February 13th, 2024. Uh, I think that's a good decision as well. Again, October is looking incredibly stacked with AAAs. November, not looking too easy to make games come out either uh, with stuff like Call of Duty being a Goliath kind of sitting over there as well. I think this is a clean move, and I think probably the right one to end up making more money when that game does eventually launch. Uh, next up, we have some new looks at Alan Wake 2. We'll go ahead and pull some of these screenshots up on screen. Uh, John, you and I, neither one of us big horror game fans. This is a game I want to watch someone play. If I am not playing this myself, I think this is a game that we need to watch. Um I mean, I don't even know how to describe it at this point. It's kind of like what Quantum Break did, I feel like, to some degree, where they are almost making it a... Um, I don't know, artistic masterpiece. Uh, it just, it kind of looks like it's going to be one of those things where you have to watch certain things unfold as well as play them out. Uh, it seems like there's going to be different angles of kind of narrative storytelling, maybe through some dynamic videos that end up playing, uh, maybe some visual uh, masterpiece is the only word I can think of. This game looks gorgeous to me, and I really think they're going to do a good mix of kind of those live action videos along with some of this other stuff that we see coming out here in game. Um, I mean, yeah, I just I think this one is going to land very, very well for horror fans. Yeah, I think there's a, a subliminal message here uh, in this shot that we have up on screen. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know too many uh, metro or subway stops that have lines STOP uh, merging in the same area. Uh, so a, a, gigant, a gigantic sign that says stop uh, probably means you shouldn't enter, uh, especially in a horror game. So uh, I'm kind of curious as to what's on the other side of those gates. Yeah, I think this will be a fun one. I, I'm almost tempted to pick it up, but me and horror games just do not generally go together. Very Live well. stream it. Uh, especially playing late at night when I have time to play. Uh, but it is one that is very tempting. I've seen playthroughs, though, before. I know Walker TN has played through some horror games for me. Panicking Pat, if he's still over here in chat, I watched him play through The Medium, which was a great experience. Pot of Luck, obviously, a huge fan of some of those stuff, like games like Five Nights at Freddy's. Uh, so we do have quite a few horror game fans here in the OTN community. Um, if I'm not the one playing this, I would love to hop in and watch some other people play through it because I think this is, again, going to be a visual masterpiece in my humble opinion. 
Moving right along from Alan Wake into another one, John's favorite, Zombies. Uh, we won't really touch on this one too much, but Dying Light 2, Stay Human. Again, a new roadmap teaser. Uh, if you guys are big fans of zombies or zombie-like games, you can dive into this one with some new missions, quests, activities, executions, and finishers. But that's not all, John. There's new enemy variations, nightmare difficulty, themed events, and more. Uh, there's a new YouTube video out there for you guys to dive into if you want to check out, again, the new content coming to Dying Light 2 here pretty soon. Uh, next up, and on my kind of indie heartthrob list, one of my highly anticipated indie games of the year, Cocoon, is set to release tomorrow. Uh, this is from some of the makers that made stuff like Inside and Limbo, two giant award-winning games when they did come out. Uh, Cocoon already off to a very hot start, pulling in around a 90 out of 100 on critic sites like OpenCritic and Metacritic. It seems to be one of the highest or highest... I cannot speak, highest rated games of the year so far. Uh, we do have a little teaser trailer for this one as well if you guys want to check it out here live with us on stream. Um, John, again, I'm super excited. I thought Limbo was a great game. I thought Inside was also very well done. Uh, they're kind of that fun, dark puzzle style games. Uh, and I think Cocoon kind of is going to bring that to the table, though. It is much more colorful than what we got with Limbo and Inside. Uh, with that being said, it does look like it still has some of those mind-bending puzzles. And it'll be fun to see how they do eventually play out when this puppy drops. Um, but again, 90 out of 100 is a really great critic score, especially in a year where we've seen so many incredible games come out. Will you be jumping into Cocoon? It's on Game Pass, by the way, guys. Uh, I don't remember what platforms it's launching on. I think it's launching everywhere, um, but it's definitely going to be on Game Pass as well. I may. I don't have enough time to play the games that I'm already playing as it is. True. Uh, so, That's so Starfield we'll life, though. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> that game is thick. Uh, so, yeah. Absolutely. So, guys, again, we've kind of changed things up a little bit here on the live stream. If you saw, we kind of moved our way through consoles uh, from Nintendo to PlayStation to Xbox to PC and then kind of wrap things up with our multi-game news as well at the end. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hoping bringing some more visual energy to the table here for those live with us here on Twitch. Again, for the listeners on the podcast, come join us Thursday nights, typically at around 8 p.m. Eastern time, twitch.tv forward slash OTN media. If you guys want to join us live for the show and check out those awesome new templates that John has crafted up as well. Uh, with that being said, we will keep an eye out for all the news dropping and we are still suffering through our backlogs. Uh, I know I've been knocking out a few games that I still had some Chivos to pop uh, for those on our Discord server, discord.me forward slash OTN. You've seen me popping those as well, so keep an eye out for those. Hopefully I have a couple more coming in the weeks ahead. Joey popping those Chivos, but Nation, that is going to do it for this edition of Level Up Live. But before you go, make sure you follow the show on Twitch to catch next episode of Level Up Live. If you listen to the show on our podcast feed, please do leave us a review if your podcatcher allows you to. Level Up Podcast is available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and your podcatcher of choice. Just look us up at the Level Up Podcast. We would love to hear from you. In fact, we'd love to hear from the community so much. We have multiple ways for you to reach out to us. Joey, what are those ways? Absolutely, OTN community. Come check us out over on Twitter, slash X, whatever you want to call it, and Facebook at OTN Media as well as on Instagram and threads at OTN underscore media over there. Last but not least, twitch.tv forward slash OTN media. Again, guys, this show live, typically Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Come swing by, and if you have a Prime sub, we'd appreciate that as well. All right, make sure you tune in next Thursday, October 5th, as we continue to cover the latest in gaming news. Do your ears and eyes a favor. Hit that sub and follow button to know when the next episode of OTN's Level Up Live is ready for your entertainment pleasures. We'll catch you all next week. Enjoy your weekend. And remember, be nice to your fellow gamers online. And as always, level, level up. up.